don't know if I consider myself white. You're white. I'll let you know right here, right now. I'll brother. take it. I'm pretty good at identifying my Asians. As a kid, I went to Kumon. If you're starving in a starving situation, and there's like a dead human. Buddy, a human's gonna eat you. Watch. You won't do that because you you know there's a shawarma shop next door. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. It is literally cheaper to do crack every day and become a crackhead and live anywhere you want in this city than to pay rent for one month. Okay? It's twelve dollars a day. You'll be the most free you've ever been in your life. You'll sleep anywhere you want in this city. Mm-hmm. It's cheaper than paying rent. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Burrow Sound, recording here live at the UUI Collective. I'm your host with the most DJs are, and today we got a really special guest. Honestly, in my opinion, one of the best comics in Toronto, Natish Sakuja in the building. Hell yeah, respect. Thank you, brother. Yo, thanks for coming through, bro. How are you? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me. Yo, I've been uh, I've been doing a lot of homework on your your comedy. Um, and you've been like the, the oldest video I saw was eight years old, but you said you've been doing it for like 13 years, yeah, yeah. right? November is going to be my 13th year. Okay. How did you like transition from, I don't know what you were doing before. I know you worked at Cineplex when you were like a super you, yeah, but yeah. like, how did you just start comedy? Um, I, I started when I was 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I had just dropped out of university. I was like kind of bumming around doing nothing. And I got a job at CIBC. And I was working in a call center uh, for the dispute department, dog. And it was the biggest um, salary I ever had in my life at that time. Okay. I was working like, it was the most real job I've ever had, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I had to wear like uh, dress clothes and shit, mm-hmm. you know? I felt, you know when you feel bougie. You felt good you about know, yourself. Yeah, you feel you know like I'm doing like, something in society. I'm finally like, doing we're something, bang. you know? Yeah. And then I was working with all these older people. I was the youngest person in the office. And... Um, and when you get comfortable working cubicles and shit, I never had that kind of office environment. Mm-hmm. And like, we were on the phones all day, but like, I would just roast all my coworkers. Mm-hmm. I would just make fun of them. And just one of them was like, yo, you should try comedy. You should try stand up. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't the first time somebody told me that, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, fuck it. I just showed up at a Yuck Yucks one night mm-hmm. and I watched their amateur night and I would watch these comics. And like I, I didn't had never done comedy in my life, and I'm mm. like, yo, I'm funnier than this guy, yeah, yeah, funnier yeah. than this person, funnier mm. than that. I wasn't impressed until I saw the first person that impressed me on the amateur night was I saw Mike Rita for the first time. Oh, Mike Rita, you yeah, know? yeah, Mike yeah. Mike Rita's yeah. a fucking G. Portuguese, I think. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. a fucking. He was so funny, bro. He's really fucking, good. It it blew my mind, and I was like, that's hilarious. He had this joke about a crackhead just vibrating across the street, you mm-hmm. know. And I was like, that's so funny. And that was the first time I was like, oh shit, I think like you know. I saw somebody like me and I was like, I think, I think I'm going to do this. And then I showed up the next week mm-hmm. and then I came back the third week on the third Tuesday in a row. And I talked to the booker and he's like, I've been seeing you come every week. And I was like, I think I want to try it. He's like, okay, in, um, in two weeks I'll put you on. Mm-hmm. And they don't usually let you know cause the system is you call in, say you want to do a spot. And on Tuesday by 2 PM, the day of the show, they'll release the list of the open micers that got on. Oh, okay. So they told me two weeks in advance that I got on. Mm-hmm. So I was preparing. I was at work writing these jokes, trying them on everybody. I invited 30 people because mm-hmm. it was my first time. I was excited. And um, it was a packed night. And I fucking, the host had no idea who I was. Um, but she just brought me up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I fucking straight up to this day, probably the best set of my life you know i'm mm. still chasing that dragon it went so well your very first set ever, ever in comedy it went so well i was talking 100 miles a minute but i did like so many jokes mm-hmm. but completely different from my style now mm. but it went so well and like man the audience loved it and then someone had told the host that this was my first time doing comedy so when she came back on stage she said to the audience she goes guys make some noise that was his first time ever doing comedy Jeez. and then the crowd erupted a legend is born type right? yeah, and then yeah, yeah. To this day, I've never had an experience like this where after the show, there was people lining up to talk to me and wish me luck on my, on my fucking comedy career. Really? And like, I've never had love like that after a show since that day. Wow. You know? And I'm mm-hmm. still chasing that fucking, that high. My next show, the next day, I bombed whatever, you know? But like, it was just that initial first time, mm-hmm. that rush. It was mm-hmm. so fun. But that's how I fucking started in that fucking... I haven't looked back since, you know? I went in it hard. Mm-hmm. Started grinding right away. And then you you get this rush. You're still going to these open mics. How do you actually, like, I guess monetize it as a career? Because, like you said uh, off air, like, there are a lot of comics in Toronto. Yeah. You're just starting. And you're, like, 19 at this point, mm-hmm. 19, 20. So 
Um, how did you find out how to like actually live off it? Still trying to figure that out, dog. Um, <laughs> it's a fucking grind out here, bro. Mm. Um, but as you get better, um, you know, you slowly start to develop fans and people that notice you, you know, and then so it starts off with producers, people who are putting on comedy shows. There's they're always out here watching which comics are starting to do well. Mm. And as you start doing better, they'll start approaching you to start giving you regular gigs for these out of towners because they just put on random shows, you know, mm -hmm. so 50 bucks here, 100 bucks here. And then as you get better, these guys start offering you more money, you know, mm -hmm. and through that, those producers also turn into other fans. So now you got regular people who come out to watch you at a certain comedy club. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, they're like, my friend's birthday is happening. I think mm -hmm. it'd be perfect for the party. Mm -hmm. how, how much can I pay you to come out? You know, and like mm -hmm. I get a bunch of those random things now, which never used to happen five years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, but it's just it's just finding the work and then you can get work through clubs. Uh, when you get on festivals, you get a little bit of money, but mm -hmm. it's a fucking grind, dude. There's mm -hmm. the best way to do it is to have fans. Mm -hmm. And like someone told me, like. If you can get a thousand people, a thousand fans to spend, you know, starts off with a dollar, mm -hmm. you know, a year, that's a thousand bucks right there. Yeah. Get them to spend 10, mm -hmm. you know, get them to spend a hundred bucks. If you can get a thousand people to spend a hundred bucks on you in a year, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? That's, that's money. That's a hundred G's right there, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's possible. It just takes work and it, it takes time and, and it's a grind separating the art from the business that's fucking so hard for us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I find it interesting with, with comedy because unlike music, like for example, say I'm a musician, I'm getting booked for a gig. They want to hear the tracks they know, right? Mm -hmm. Or do they kind of want to hear the jokes that they know like, yo, do that no, one? Or they always opposite. expect new jokes, like super relevant, like you just wrote this today type yeah, shit. Yeah, it's <laughs> the complete opposite. If people like... People don't want to hear, especially once they once it's gone viral. Mm -hmm. You know, let's say you do a joke, it goes viral, and now you're famous. It's never gonna hit the same. Mm. That joke will never hit the same as to people who have never heard it before. And it's not like music where if you go to a concert and you don't play your banger, people are like, "What the fuck? How did you go to this whole concert and not play that track?" Mm -hmm. It's just very different with comedy because mm. they've heard the joke that it'll you'll never get that emotion from them again. That initial reaction, yeah, where yeah. music will take you back to that emotion every time you hear it but a joke mm -hmm. where like heard that one before mm -hmm. you know what else you got right yeah comedy is the only art form that you get an immediate response they'll tell you if they liked it or not right away as it's coming out of your mouth they look at you and they'll tell you if this is shit or not shit mm -hmm. it's the only art form that that happens in you know mm -hmm. when you create music and you drop it you're fucking you create music in, in your studio right you listen to it a few times you fucking perfect it yeah. and then when you drop it you're literally like looking outside of a window like do they like it mm -hmm. you know do they like it mm -hmm. it's there's like a a safety net there yeah you know and music is one of those things that like you might not like a song the first time you hear it but it if can you grow hear on it, you yeah, yeah yeah or like it's like it goes viral or like there's that one part that like oh you know what i actually like the song yeah, now, yeah. you know but you're saying with, with stand-up comedy yeah, with a joke like the joke is like so I came on his foot. Mm -hmm. No one laughs. Yeah. And you're like, yo, keep listening to the punchline, dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eventually, it's going to be so funny to you. You know, that doesn't happen, bro. You're like, mm -hmm. the fuck are you talking about? Mm -hmm. I don't know why the come on the foot was the joke. I was going to say, is that one I mean, of your jokes? Or like, <laughs> no, okay, no, okay, I, just I, mean, I tried to say something not funny. No, but <laughs> if that was funny, that ended up being funny. Maybe it wouldn't hit on a stand-up stage, but definitely here yeah. it would. Uh, but I always find this parallel between rap and, and comedy because there's a writing process. There's a punchline. Yeah. I'm going to get lighter. No soft gong. Um, but there's that process where there's some kind of structure poetic kind of thing that you have to follow right yeah. like you start with your introduction there's some tension build up then you you come with the punchline sort of i'm well, probably that's, like that's when you start i guess like when you start initially every joke is set up punchline there's a setup to the joke and then the punchline is that how you write i was gonna ask like how do you just start writing jokes like do you think of the punchline first like sometimes you might have a fun funny premise be like how do i tie it in where it's like it hits you know well you go through different stages of writing you know uh where i'm at right now my writing process is more of whatever the thought or the joke is that i think of it's usually i just write it in jot form and then i try to go on stage 
and ask myself before I go on stage, how do I feel about this topic without being funny? Hmm. And let's talk about it. And I try to just talk about the topic without trying to make a joke. Mm. And then that's where just naturally, once I've talked about it, then you can start. There's just so many olive branches to, for, for comedy to come out of it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, don't try to, how do I describe it? I mean, don't try to be funny up there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, like be natural. Just be like you. Talking. You're funny, right? Yeah, yeah. You're funny. So mm -hmm. go be you. You mm -hmm. ever been in like in an office or a work environment and there's someone trying to be funny? And you're like, yeah, you can tell this guy's trying to be funny. And it's like, bro, stop. You're not funny. Stop trying to be funny. So don't try to be funny up there. You know? Mm -hmm. It's be you. You're funny. That's why you're doing this. Mm -hmm. So be you and be true to yourself. And whatever you're talking about in your own natural way will be funny. Mm -hmm. You know, I try not to write because when I first started, that's what you do. You fucking write everything down word for word, how you're going to say it. And then the first struggle is going up there and trying to memorize everything you wrote. OK, and now you script it. And eventually you get to a point where you're like, OK, I memorized my script. But at any point while you're up there at that stage from the beginning to that point, if anything goes wrong, an audience member says something, something happens, a mic slips out of your hand and you break from that script you're fucked mm -hmm. you don't know how to recover mm -hmm. from that you fucking you're in shambles and it's just downhill from there mm -hmm. then you get to a point where you're like okay i memorized my script i'm confident now i can just if a heckler says something to me i know i can break away from my script for a moment mm -hmm. attempt to deal with it probably not well but attempt it but i'm confident enough that once that is over I can go back to exactly where it was in my script, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and it's yeah. robotic almost like mm -hmm. you're not even a person up there. Mm -hmm. you, you're just fucking repeating this fucking thing. Mm -hmm. Then you get to a point where you're like, fuck it. I'm just going to um, eventually I know my bits so well. I have, let's say, 12 bits, but I have enough time to do four bits out of the 12. You're like, I don't know what I'm going to start with, but I know I have 12 bits. Let me go up there and just pick bits out of a hat in my head mm -hmm. and see what comes out. You know, you get mm -hmm. more comfortable. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you get to a point where you're like, you know what? I'm going to go up there with no bits. I'm just going to talk whatever comes out and see how long I can do that before I have to resort to a bit. Mm. Yeah. You know, because your jokes are just break glass in case of emergency. Interesting. When you don't know how to be funny anymore and you're losing that, that natural thing. Mm -hmm. fucking tell a joke that you know is going to work. Hmm. You know? It's kind of like being present is really important as a stand-up comic. Mm -hmm. Whereas it's kind of like an MMA. Like they say like everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. If you just go in there like memorizing a script, but then something disrupts that, now yeah, you're, you're kind of lost, yeah, right? You're yeah. fucked. And that's, I think that's the authenticity of, a, of when you see the great comics. It's just a free flow of thought it's not so free that you're like this is completely coming off the top of their dome like it's today let's say today they thought they in their head they're like i want to talk about this thing that happened i haven't written anything about it but i'm gonna free flow when i get because when you go on stage there's like an adrenaline rush there's a thing mm. that happens like and i find it so hard to mimic to sit down and write Hmm. And be present like I am on stage because it's just not the same. There's something that happens when you're on stage and there's a hundred people looking at you like, you know, and mm -hmm. you're like, okay, the pressure's fucking on. So it's it's a different mindset to be in to try to get funny versus just fucking sitting there and writing. Mm -hmm. Do you find that your best material comes from you isolated kind of like writing or like jotting things down about life or like when you're just kind of freestyling on stage? Because when you actually are using your voice as opposed to like writing down, I'm sure it kind of hits different, yeah, 100%. right? hundred percent. It's um, like I said, I have a jot note of what I th think I want to say and then I'll say it on stage. And once they start laughing, you get motivated, something happens and then you start. And then I just hope that I'm either recording or I remember what I said so I can start use, utilizing that hmm. and then move forward. But that's how I write. I can't, I always hated school. Mm -hmm. I fucking, I don't like sitting and being forced to write. And I started comedy, so I never have to go to fucking school or do anything like that again. And now it's I'm getting confronted with, you have to sit down and write, bro. You're at a mm -hmm. point now. Now we're asking you, like, there's people like, can you give me a script? And I'm like, fuck, mm -hmm. I can, but I don't want to so mm -hmm. badly. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? And I have to force myself to sit down and fucking write again. Mm -hmm. It's hard. That's mad insightful because some of my favorite comics, like, especially like Chappelle or like Eddie Griffin, like, even Cat uh, Williams, like, they sound like they're just talking to you. 
And I also like Kevin Hart, but I could tell because he's doing such big shows. There's so much production behind mm-hmm. it that like every word is kind of like mm-hmm. planned. You know what I'm saying? Where even if your words are planned, like like a Dave Chappelle, it doesn't feel like that. It really feels like he's just kind well, of flowing. So what you're seeing is like when you see Dave Chappelle, a special, mm-hmm. when you see Cat Williams special, everything there is planned. Yeah. From beginning to end. Mm-hmm. When I did my album, that was planned mm-hmm. because... Now I'm recording this. This is, I'm dropping an album. Mm-hmm. It has to be planned. Yeah. You know, it can't really free flow and see if it's good, I'll drop it. If no. it's not, it's calculated. I mean? Yeah. It's calculated. Mm-hmm. But go watch Chappelle live on a, he's not recording his album tonight. He's mm-hmm. just live. Mm-hmm. Then you'll get to see a completely different side of it where mm-hmm. it is that free flow. And it's like, and that's where he's working those bits. You know what I mean? He's mm-hmm. just trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know. Like, you know that in science, they break it down to like um, everything reacts differently when it's being observed. Hmm. You know that. You've heard that? Nah. Every single thing, every to an atom, when you're looking at it, it will move differently when it's than when no one is looking at it. I didn't, I've never heard that. This is- they did an experiment where they like you shoot, they shot lasers through a hole, observed they go through the hole, then they left the room, came back in and... It was in a completely different, like completely different. It went through a different way hmm. because no one was watching it. Wow. You know, and that happens in everything. And it, it break it down to like real life. You are acting different because this camera's on you right sure. now. You're yeah. on, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You're in character. Then hmm. when it's not on you. So in stand up, there's already, a, um, there's already that because you're the, you're the only guy on stage and everyone is watching you. Mm-hmm. So now there's a little bit of a difference in who you are because everyone's watching you. Mm-hmm. Now let's say you're filming a special, okay? Now, along with the people watching you, there's a camera on yeah. you. There's an extra observer. Mm-hmm. It's going to make you act a little bit different. You're taping a big special, there's a camera on the audience. Mm-hmm. Now the audience is acting a little different because oh. they're fucking being observed while they're observing you. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's Because they know they're on camera. They might be on mm-hmm. this TV special. You know yeah. what I mean? Them laughing. And like as good, let's say you nail it and your fucking taping is perfect. It'll never be like in a comedy club sold out, no cameras, no one's recording, just a fucking intimate fucking event. It'll never, you'll never capture that on camera, bro. Hmm. There's certain nights that are like, you know, you're like, there's, I wish I could record this, but if you pulled out the camera, it's different. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. How important is crowd work to you? I mean, I think you got to be able to, right now in the era of Instagram, I mean, it's the only thing that'll probably get you famous. Why? Just like <laughs> like dealing with hecklers kind of thing? Yeah, I don't know. It's just, that's what everyone's dropping, but I guess that's what people want to see. But then it creates a bad fucking stigma for stand-up. People come acting like that at comedy mm-hmm. shows, mm-hmm. thinking that that's what we want. Yeah. You know? I can't lie. Like, one time I went to a stand-up show with my ex, and I was like, yo, please don't, like, pick on me. Like, you know, like, I had that feeling where I was like, yo, if they asked about, like, yo, what's this? What's it like? Because, yo, sometimes they really, like, be digging at the audience. And, like, I understand it's for, like, the overall show. But it's also, like, I like like not being the heckler, but, like, I like seeing them deal with the heckler. Mm -hmm. But if it's like, oh, so, like, what do you do? I'm always like, fuck. You know, yeah, like, yeah, but then it gets to a certain point where it's getting ruined because mm. you see that two minutes mm. and it's hilarious. Yeah, but you missed the thirteen minutes before that mm. where this person wouldn't shut the fuck up. Yeah, and they've been ruining the show for everyone, and that's why it hit so hard mm-hmm. because finally they said something that'll shut this person up. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It ruins a show. It ruins a show. I mean, you, it's a skill you learn when you're on and you're funny. You're like. I take it as a personal challenge. You're mm-hmm. talking. You think you're funnier than me. Yeah. You think you're funnier than me. Mm-hmm. Dog, you don't. I've been in the trenches. I've been doing this so long. You're not fun. There's nothing you can say to me that mm-hmm. I haven't heard before or that I can't respond to in mm-hmm. a certain way. You know. Mm-hmm. I take it as a personal challenge, but I don't want it. Mm-hmm. It's like I know how to fight, but I don't want to fight. Mm-hmm. But oh, you want to fight? Like I'm a black belt in jiu yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. My, I, mean, yeah. I don't want it though. I don't yeah. want that smoke. But if you want the smoke, you know what I'm saying? I'll try. Mm-hmm. And if I can't, hopefully one of my boys who's coming up next is going to give it to you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But you're not leaving here thinking you want tonight. You're leaving mm-hmm. here thinking, I don't know, your sideburns are too long or whatever it is mm-hmm. that someone made fun of you. You're fucking, you know? How come security at stand-up shows don't like deal with hecklers? I like guess almost like a accepted part depends of on, the, it depends on the of show. experience. Like okay. I just did a show last weekend where the headliner 
he was doing 45 minutes that night and he had a couple people opening for him and there was a heckler throughout the whole show before he went up he, he told the security guy you'll get that guy out of here mm-hmm. and he left and um I guess security will intervene if it becomes completely too much. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point, they're like, all right, let's just see. Let the comic see if he can deal with it first. That's what you know I'm what saying. I mean? It's kind of like you're allowed to pipe up at a show almost. Like, it's not like a security is going to come tackle mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, you know, like. You can, but treat it more as a speak when spoken to. Yeah. Hmm. Just like when you're in school. If no one's talking to you, why are you disrupting right now? Mm-hmm. But if you're being asked a question, engage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to switch gears to to kind of talking about the stand up scene in Toronto. Off air, you were talking about how just like in high school, it's kind of like clicky, right? Mm-hmm. So, how would you describe like the click you're in and and the other types of of clicks within the stand up scene in Toronto? Mm-hmm. Um, my click is uh, I don't know, like the United Nations of comedy. We got a little bit of everybody. You know what I mean? Um, there's no specific type of person, but I guess everyone's cool. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. um, people that you can like speak openly with and say whatever you want. There's there's no one in that I hang out with that's too woke. You know, mm-hmm. maybe woke back ten years ago. Like but an it's actual not, woke. Yeah, yeah, but it's not the same kind of woke. <laughs> you know what I mean? That that's being presented to us right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Um, you know, everyone's chill, man. People that I would have hung out with in high school. Hmm. I guess that's why it's so high school clicky, mm-hmm. you know. But there's just certain people that you just you don't hang out with. I don't know. There's people that are out there that um they're very uh, how do you call it clicky in the way that they book shows or the people that oh, the type so we of only shows. want this style yes, of comedy and the yeah. type of people that we want you know uh, uh, you're saying things that I don't th- I don't agree with so I'm not gonna book you hmm. you know it's like I thought you were a comedian hmm. you know but like now you have a limitation on I think as a comedian once you make fun of anybody or anything like you cannot get mad at anything Mm-hmm. I don't get mad when people make Indian jokes to me. Like, mm-hmm. I've made so much fun of every race mm-hmm. that, like, it's open season. Anyone can get it, including yourself. Yeah. And you have to allow that. That's how know? it should be. Yeah, you can't get mad. You can't get mad. If mm-hmm. you get mad at anything, then automatically there should be a fucking report of everything you've ever said to anybody. Mm-hmm. Let me see. You know? Mm-hmm. Why are you so mad? Why are you so mad? Mm-hmm. You're fucking it's either bullshit or you you did something that mm-hmm. you're trying to deflect from. You know who's going through that? There's a guy named Ben Bankus. You know Ben? I love Ben. I started with Ben. Like he was in my, we were. That's the clique that we started oh, with. You know? Okay, yeah. okay. I've been seeing him getting or like I guess venues getting emails yeah, I know, from he, people saying like, oh, you have like this racist comedian because he does like can this, I these Asian jokes straight up. Like I don't, I don't know. Maybe he's hurting people's feelings. You know, I can't tell anyone how to feel. But one of the funniest things I ever heard in my life was Arabia Char. <laughs> I fucking, I say it all the time. I don't know why it's so funny, but like Arabia Char is so funny, dude. It is so funny. And if that doesn't make you laugh, you're lying. I don't know. You're mm-hmm. fighting for something. You have an agenda. Mm-hmm. It's just funny, dude. That's funny. Yeah. Close your eyes and say Arabia Char. All right. That's so funny, dude. Shout out Ben Bankus. Shout out Ben for real. And honestly, like, yo, a lot of people are showing you that it's funny. They're laughing. They want to see Ben. But it's like a couple people on the fringes are like, yo, if you do this, then I'm never going to come to your club again. I I mean, I get it. He's done a lot of like Teresa Tam videos. There's a lot of shit that he's done that I'm like, I can understand why people are mad. I mean, I get it. What did you expect? People are not going to get mad at you. I get it. I ain't mad. Mm -hmm. I ain't mad. You didn't piss me off when you dress up as fucking Jagmeet Singh. I think that is also hilarious, you know? I think that's super funny. And you know what? If we're going to get asking, let's start asking monkeys how they feel because he does a monkey face too, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Let's fucking see. Monkey this is, hybrid. Yeah, this is insane. I don't know. It's funny. Some of it, some of it is over the top, of course. But man, honestly, deep down, if you watch that, uh, ben Bankus do stand up comedy. He's a funny guy. Mm-hmm. He he he's a he's a good joke writer. He fucking, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think he, he had this one joke where like, yo, people think um like a a white supremacist. He's like, people think I'm a racist, but like, if you are racist because you think one race is better than the other, he's well, like, I don't uh, think white people are better race. 
I anymore. definitely think Ben Mangus. <laughs> That's what he said. I definitely think Ben is racist, 100%. Um, <laughs> for sure. Positive racism? Uh, I mean, I don't know what kind of racism it is, but I mean, I think we're all a little racist. I'm racist oh, for a sure, little yeah, bit, yeah. you know? I mean, I try not to be. I try to get corrected in my racism sometimes, but sometimes it's just funny. It's mm-hmm. funny, bro. I don't know what happened back in the 1990s that has changed now, mm-hmm. but like, man, we used to be able to get away with so much funny stuff and it's like I said earlier you make fun of your friend your friend makes fun of you it's fucking we get it no one is trying to be hurtful Mm -hmm. it's hilarious I've never heard a man sound like you before that's why it makes me laugh yeah you know yeah we're still my friend Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like I'd still I don't know Nah, but I, 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 I don't know. I'm probably going to get canceled for that. Don't worry, For defending bro. Ben Bankus. But no, if I do get canceled, fucking Arabia Char. You know what I mean? Fuck don't it. Worry, One bro. more time, bro. No one's watching. Yeah, this, bro. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yo, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, more with Natish on Burl Sound after this. Yep. Subscribe to Burl Sound. Burl Sound back with Natish Kuja. Mm-hmm. Um, off here, we were talking about how you have to be like really ignorant to pretend like you don't see race. Mm -hmm. And I think almost that it kind of like celebrating our differences or pointing them out or even like stereotypes that aren't like affecting how like you're treating someone, but just like noticing like, yo, certain races do certain things. Like, I feel like it's almost good to have that. Like you were saying, like roasting your boys, Mm -hmm. like, yo, aren't you this? Like you guys do this. And then they hit you with the, yo, you guys are probably doing this. Absolutely, bro. Mm -hmm. It's, you know what it is? Like everybody has, Everybody obviously notices the color of every other person, mm-hmm. but you get comfortable in a sense where like, I sometimes don't realize or forget that I'm like a brown person because hmm. I'm not thinking that I am a colored person. You know what I mean? That's I like just, your default. Like. Yeah. I just, until you look in the mirror, you're like, oh yeah, I'm a brown guy. Forgot mm-hmm. about that. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. but I'm just like, we're, we're all just people. Mm. That's like like the name of my album is called Person yeah, and yeah. of Color is scratched it's out. Scratched out. Yeah, I seen that. Yeah. Because colored person is just people of color. It's all the same shit. They just flipped words around mm-hmm. and telling us, giving us new labels and shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're all fucking people. So white people are the only people that get to be just called people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the rest of us are colored people mm-hmm. or whatever. People of color. People of ethnicities. And people don't realize white people. I feel like have the widest range of color because when we get bruised yeah. it's like green red yeah brown black like absolutely a lot of colors there like yeah man you guys fucking actually feel blue yeah you know what i mean like it's crazy the worst is like the thing is like i don't know if i consider myself white if people do it's whatever you're white i'll let you know right here right now i'll brother. take it i'll take it <laughs> in case you were confused uh, uh <laughs> what are you though i'm syrian and turkish okay you're Arab white. That's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. But like, you're a white they, Arab, we can't hide our redness and like, I always hear like, yo, you're red right now. It's like, bro, I can't help it. Like, you got the perfect fucking, you can get away with being, you can keep be your authentic Arab self when you need to. Yeah. And then you can go fucking be white people when you, Mr. Smith, when you need to. You know it's, what I mean? My first name's George. That's like my actual Hell gubby. Yeah. It's super like, Hell yeah, bro. I blend in stuff. Yeah, man. That's good. What would you do if you were like white for a day? If I was white for a day. Hmm. What would I do? Same face? Uh, Just white, a white guy, same me? Or like, do I get to be a whole new white person? You can be a whole new white person, or you could keep, I don't know, you can keep the beard, like you can, you'd look like a, like almost like a Hell's Angels almost. <laughs> it would be so weird. Yeah. <laughs> white guy as me, then I don't know uh, how much of a difference it would make. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like you got to I'd change your like, name, like everything. I'd be like a, a white guy, like, uh, I don't know, like Zach Morris. And then just, you know, do some illegal shit and see how much trouble I actually can get into, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Actually, this is a question I never thought of. I don't know. <laughs> fucking try to make a casserole? I don't fucking know, dog. <laughs> what would I do? <laughs> I fucking do whatever I want right now, so mm-hmm. I feel pretty blessed. Maybe I travel just to see how little, how free it is to, like, you know? I do feel a little pressure on the airlines, but I don't know if that's more of me being an Indian guy or people look at me because I have tattoos and shit mm-hmm. or, like, but either way, people suspect me when I'm at the airport. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like the tattoos and the beard. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's which, his agenda. Like? I don't know exactly. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what their agenda. I don't know which where they're coming from, but maybe I try that. But other than that, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe 20 years ago, I could do something with that, but I live a pretty good life get to do whatever the fuck I want. So mm-hmm. I'm happy being 
a brown guy. Do you think there's expectations for uh, like brown comics to 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 hit him more with like a, like a a brown angle mm-hmm. versus like oh I just want to do general comedy, but it's like oh we're kind of we kind of want you to like do the Indian thing. Uh, that's when I started. Absolutely, especially like. I think that refrained me from getting a lot of opportunities for like festivals and television because like I'm a brown guy, but I don't talk about brown shit. Mm-hmm. Like I don't do the accent. I don't talk about my parents too much. You know what I mean? I just fucking because I had this experience early on when I uh, was doing a showcase at Yuck Yucks trying to get signed by them early in my career. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I did a set and my whole set was about my dad at the time. I was doing his accent. I was doing everything about my dad. Mm-hmm. And then the guy who owns the place, Mark Breslin, came up to me afterwards. He was like, funny, funny. But Russell already did it. I was going to say that. I just yeah. thought of Russell Peters when you said He said, said that. Russell already did it. And then mm-hmm. he walked away from me. And I was like, oh, fuck. Am I funny because I'm Indian? Or am I funny because I'm funny? Mm-hmm. So then I was like, yo, if I see like uh, this table right here, how can I make fun of this table without putting an accent on the table? Mm-hmm. Which was my default. So I made it a mission to stop doing Indian jokes. So for a good 10 years, it brought me to where I am now, mm. where I'm still kind of like insecure to do Indian jokes and the Indian accent mm. because I'm like, I don't want them laughing at the accent. The joke has to be so good that the accent is a complimentary bit to mm. the joke. What are they laughing at? I was going to say, is it because you don't know what part of the joke they're laughing at? Well, you could tell. I, you could tell when they're laughing at the accent. Like a racist or, laugh and or like or a yeah, you just you laugh. just fucking know, man. And if you don't know, I guess I don't know. Some people just don't have that em- em- empathetic feeling of mm. just being able to tell emotions from other people. Mm. But you could tell where a laugh is coming from, how mm. it how it comes out. You hear it, mm. you know. I hear it all the time. There's some comics out here that have Asian accents, and I watch them, and I'm like, you're funny. They're they're actually funny, but you can tell where the laughs are starting and where they're coming from and how hard the type of laughter it is, you can tell that mm. it's racially motivated or mm. whatever they're laughing at the accent versus the actual joke. So I'm very conscious of where I'm going to drop the accent if I do mm. do an accent because that's not the funny part. Mm. It's to, so you can understand how it happened or how it played out, mm. you know? What are the different types of laughs that you're able to identify where you're like, okay, that one was like a filler laugh. That one was a racist laugh. Well, like, there's, sure, there's some laughs where you're just up there and they're like, some people are just being polite. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm at a stand-up Yeah, bar, it's yeah. just like, it's, it's like, it's the most raw human. You got to break it down to the most raw human um, thing about us. It's just being able to look at another human and sense the type of emotion that they're feeling. Mm. Like you were saying when you're, you couldn't hold that reptile because you, you can't tell by his body language. Yeah, I don't know what he's feeling. Like. Yeah, but like, <laughs> when you look at another human, for the most part, you can tell. You've ever looked at your boy and he's complaining to you and you're like, man, I could tell this motherfucker needs a hug. You know mm. what I mean? I'm not going to hug him, though. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? But I know this motherfucker's out here looking for a hug. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you just know sometimes. You know, you're like, yeah. this guy's mad. It's the same thing. You're looking at human and you hear the way they're laughing and they're looking the way they look at each other mm-hmm. when they're laughing. You just, it's hard to describe how you know. It's just a human instinct that you, you see it, you feel it. Do different types of people have different laughs, like different type of audience members? Like maybe like you have a predominantly like white audience. Are they laughing differently than like a predominantly like black audience or like a mixed audience? Um, I guess. Or they look for different, maybe they find different parts of the joke funny that like, so I can give you two examples. The best example of, the, of that is like the Nubian show. Kenny Robinson runs an all-black comedy show the last Sunday of every month at Yuck Yucks. And it's, now it's changed over the years. The audience is pretty much mixed, a lot of white people. But back in the day, man, it was all black people. It was the most rowdy show in a good way. Mm-hmm. Like when you crushed, there's people banging on the walls there's people banging on the tables someone's getting up and running across the room like it was next level and then it can get bad enough where they'll boo you off stage wow if you're you're doing bad they will literally boo you off stage so much passion Mm -hmm. and then now it's um, it's not the same anymore but that's what it was you know and everybody's biggest fear of doing that show was i don't want to get booed off Thank God I've never gotten booed off. You did that career. show. I think it even takes balls to do a show oh, like that. I've done that show a million times. I love that show, mm-hmm. you know? But when you start, you get scared. You're like, I don't want to get booed off, bro, you know? Because that's what a feeling, getting booed off stage. Thank mm-hmm. God I've never had to endure that. But it's different. And now, like, there's, like, a general audience is good. They just mm-hmm. laugh out loud. They're really, you know, they're... Mm-hmm. 
there's no real distinction other than an all black room. But a couple times I've done these like all Asian shows. Hmm. I find Asian audiences weird too, man. I don't know. Maybe because the, the guy who put on the show was like, he was like getting these people from Groupon and a lot of them maybe didn't speak English and shit. But you're like, I've done a few of those shows where you're like, what's going on, dog? Huh? Why are there, why are there 70 Asian people here, you know? This is not even an Asian event, but they're all... I'm like, what kind of marketing did you do to get these people here, you know? What kind of Asian are we talking? Like, super Asian. Like, um, I did this show where everyone was like... Hardly I was us performing, and then I'm like... You're just watching the show, and you're like, man, this is going so bad. No one's really getting any responses. And then you hear them start talking to each other. And I couldn't even tell you what kind of Asian they were, but they weren't really speaking English. And I asked the guy, and I was like, where the fuck did you advertise to get all these people? He's like, I had this this Groupon deal thing I did where it was like, I don't know. He got a group that was all learning English together or mm. something. And then, I don't know. It was fucking horrible. Whatever it was, I fucking mm. hated it. Um, <laughs> so that's why I can bring that up. I'm not being racist. <laughs> But Arabia Char. You know, um. <laughs> no, because I knew when you said that though, I'm like, okay, they probably weren't like Filipinos from. Oh no, no, they, no. they were like they were like Chinese or like, um, pretty sure they were Chinese. You mm-hmm. know, and I, I'm pretty good at identifying my Asians. As mm-hmm. a kid, I went to Kumon, you know, so I'm from Rexdale. I had 12 white people in my high school, you know. Mm-hmm. We called it the Dawson's Creek hallway. They were all in the same hallway and shit, but. I was good. I could look at, you know, a group of Asians and right away looking at their face be like, you're from Japan. You're from Korea. You know what I mean? Where do you think tell. she's from? She's, uh, she's Viet or a Filipino. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got Filipino. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> she got mad for a second. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what, so Dawson's Creek was this part of your high school that was just white kids? It was the one hallway that had 12 white people in it. Were they like skateboarder white? Like... What type of white? What year? What like? What era of this? This is like uh, two thousand seven, two thousand six. It's like punk rock white, like Lincoln uh, Park. Mixture of that, but it was Rexdale, so a lot of them were hood white. Most of the people in this country don't give a fuck about this country. Hmm. They're they come from somewhere else. They have pride of that country. Canada is just where they are right now. And if shit gets bad, they're like, "Fuck it, I'll go back to my country." Hmm. But there's people who were born here who are like, I'm a fucking proud Canadian. You yeah. know what I mean? I, f- I fucking love this country. I hate the direction it's going in. And I wish, I, don't, I, don't, I would love for my country to be prosperous. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want, I don't want to say that I'd fucking, i fight for it to an extent. You know what I mean? I don't mm-hmm. go to war, but I mean, like, you know, <laughs> I, would, I would stand up for my country. Yeah. You know? But there's mm-hmm. not, when I look around at other people my age, not a lot of them feel that way. Because a lot of them aren't from here. Hmm. But ask an actual Canadian born and raised from here, like there's been such a big difference. And if I'm born and raised here, I don't give a fuck what color you are. But there's too many people coming. Yeah, it's fucking up our shit, bro. I don't yeah, care yeah. fuck where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. just the the populate the the yeah. amount of people. Yes, you you came from a village. My parents came from forty years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, too too bad, bro. I'm fucking there. We don't have space, bro. We don't have houses. <laughs> we got we got Ukrainians we're bringing right now, bro. Mm-hmm. We don't have time for you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Even me, like I'm Syrian, <laughs> and we were bringing a lot of Syrians, and I'm like, some of them get like quote unquote free money. Yeah, I get yeah. like, yo, that country, it's in shambles, whatever. But I'm like, damn, like I want some free money. Like I've been and working I'm, here, like, and I'm not saying I'm pro Ukrainian either. I'm mm-hmm. just saying. If anything, I'm saying, where was all the fucking Afghanis, Iraqis, and Somalians when we were fucking bombing those places? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's just, there's too many people. We're, and we're bringing in more people than we're, jobs and houses we're creating. Mm-hmm. Fucking rent in the cities. I make, I've been doing a joke about this right now. It is literally cheaper to do crack every day and become a crackhead and live anywhere you want in this city than to pay rent for one month. Okay. <laughs> It's twelve dollars a day. You'll be the most free you've ever been in your life. You'll sleep anywhere you want in this city. Mm-hmm. It's cheaper than paying rent and surviving. Crackhead, crackheads are so free. The freest people I know. There's only one thing that controls them. Yeah, it's crack, brother. It's yeah. true. You know. Yeah. I have so many variables that control my life. 
who's free is what I'm asking. Who's nah. living? And they sleep wherever the fuck they want. Waterfront properties, dog. They don't give a fuck. They pay nothing. They need $12 a day to get high. Yeah. They kind of know what they have to do every single day. Killing it. Fucking <laughs> killing it. Yeah, you're fucking jittery and you're fucking, your life is fucked. Still pretty happy when you're high. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's fucking better than fucking, I don't know. That crack high must be crazy for you to like risk it all. You risk know what I'm all, saying? Bro. <laughs> risk it all, bro. Risk it all. Crackheads are sick though. Mm. You need, you know you're in a good town if you have crackheads. Hmm. You ever been to a town with no crackheads? You're like, what a shit place, bro. <laughs> it's like closes early. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no part. You go to a town, you see crackheads, you're like, oh, fuck. These guys obviously took the party too far, but the core of that message is that somewhere there's a party. Hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know it's a vibe. But it has to be crackheads. Because it can't be like meth heads. Mm, why That's not? Meth I don't know. It seems like they'll kill you. Crackheads have a certain like... They just smoke cocaine. You know what I'm mm. saying? Like meth is a whole different drug. Like yeah. it's not that they just smoke cocaine. Yeah, it's crack. They're fucked. You know? But you need crackheads, brother. Keep you in line. It's better than having people high on heroin. Mm. You ever walk by 500, like you ever in Vancouver, you ever walk by like, they're all high on opioids there. It's mm. all heroin. You ever mm. been on Hastings Street in, in Vancouver? Mm. 5,000 people. They just, that's where everybody who does heroin and shit is just posted. But mm. you ever fucking walk by them? None of them ask you for change. There's no sense of community there. You know what I'm saying? They don't want smokes. They don't even look you in the eyes. In Toronto, you'll see a crackhead fucking a mile away, bro. He'll look mm. you right in the eyes. And you're like, in two minutes, this guy's going to come talk to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking, that's community, dog. Yeah. Nah, they, they be running the TTC. Like, I don't take the TTC as much, but I've, I've been seeing more and more of them on the TTC. But if they really wanted to, they could take over. Like, I feel like they if they really over, wanted to, like, beat well, people up, like, they could. No, they don't have the strength or the organization for that. You know what I mean? They lose that in the crack high. But... <laughs> They're out there in numbers. You know what I mean? They could definitely throw a march. They could fucking, you know, protest. Mm. I don't know. Yo, I have a a couple of rapid fire questions for you. Let's go. I think some of them I know the answer to because you've answered them on other podcasts. But, okay. Um, Do you believe in God slash a higher power? Uh, I believe in something. Um, I I, I, I have to answer these fast too? Kind of. Okay. Um, I believe in the mushroom. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, I'm a spiritual guy. There's something going on. I don't know what it is. Like Christianity originated in mushroom experiences. Have no, you heard that I stuff? Mean, okay. I mean, yeah, I've heard that. But I mean, like the answer is the mushroom. You know oh, what okay. I mean? Like life is, there's an energy. There's something, there's something going on mm. of higher power. I'll call it the universe. Mm. I don't know if I'll call it God, but I believe mm. in the universe. Okay. You know um, if you, what would your last meal be before you die? Hmm. If I have anything? Hmm. Bro, I don't know. Maybe a a fucking medium pepperoni lover from Pizza Hut that's been left out for like half an hour. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, not like right out though. <laughs> no, it's like, been out for a little while. Yeah. Fucking, ah, so good, dog. <laughs> okay. Um, blunts or papes? For a large portion of my life, I would have told you blunts, but I'm back on the papes. Mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, like as you like mature and get old, you're like, I can't be smoking blunts all it's the just, time. It's just affecting my cardio, dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, are you a cat person or dog person? Um, I got both. I have two cats and I have a dog. Um, hmm. Straight up, the dog shows you more love, but the cats are easier to take care of. And you hmm. know they love you, but it's kind of nicer than you don't have that neediness. Mm. Cats remind me of me, you know. Like I love you, dog, but I'll talk to you in like two weeks. You mm. know what I'm saying? A lot of people will will roast having cats and be like, "Oh, well, if you die, your cat's gonna eat you." I'm like, you know what? Like, so what else? Other humans? Like, yeah. If I you don't know die, about that, if you're starving, if they're starving in a starving situation, there's like a dead human, buddy. A human's gonna eat you. Watch. You won't do that because you you know there's a shawarma shop next door. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, obviously I wouldn't. But watch, bro. You're in your fucking like, survival situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah, bro. You're gonna fucking get hungry, dog. You're gonna look for. Who, which one of these people have the fattest thigh, dog? You know what I mean? I'm gonna fucking chop their leg off and roast it. I wonder if, like, if if there was like a cannibalistic moment, like, what part of the human body would people eat first? I probably eat like 
the arm because I feel like they that's like the find least the fatty, gay. bro. They'll find like probably the ass, like the underarm, the fucking calf. I feel like it'd be like a little gay to eat like someone's ass, like even if they're dead. Oh, you don't have to fucking stick your tongue down nah, the asshole. Not even like that, but you're even just like cutting it. cheek, dog. Come on. I don't know. I feel like I would you try can, to. You, the, the ass is probably the only thing you could fillet to make look like, like a chicken breast. Mm-hmm. Probably the only part. You got to think about like the fattiest parts of the body too, because that's where you're gonna get that nourishment. The gut? No, that's just the stomach. That's I don't weird. know, bro. Yeah, I'd probably go try to do like arm first, like like a turkey leg almost. I'll just start with some finger meat. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I don't know. I watched this show called Yellow Jackets mm. where there was a bunch of girls, they're playing crashed and then they're a soccer team or whatever and they're playing crashed in the middle of this thing and this shows how they live inside the thing and it was this fucking, they started eating each other, bro. It's going to happen. You I need guess. food. I guess you say, yeah. you say no now, but bro, I know that's what I'm, I'm not saying. Pro cannibalism, by the way. I'm, let me just say that I'm just saying, if we get hungry enough, we'll eat each other. Well, yeah, you'll, if you're hungry enough to drink your own piss, you'll be hungry enough to fucking, or if you're thirsty enough to drink your own piss, you'll be hungry enough to like eat a human. Eat a human. Yeah, I feel that. Uh, macro windows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it depends. Before or after I consume the human dog. You know, um, current state. Current state. I use both. I have I have a laptop that's a Mac and I have a laptop that's a Windows. Mm. The Windows is easier to understand and use, but the Mac feels cool in my hand. Mm. It looks better. <laughs> I don't too. know. I'm not a. I'm not like a tech. I don't edit and shit. Everything mm. I can. I can do everything on my phone now. I actually don't need any of those things. True. I just need an Apple iPhone. But I guess Apple, so Mac maybe. I don't yeah, know. I guess. Yeah, fuck an Android phone. If you get green text, what the fuck is wrong with you, dog? Yeah. Grow up. <laughs> Sorry if any of you guys have green text, but fucking come no. on, dog. Yo, um, if you had to learn another language right now, like if you just snapped, you'd learn this language, what language would it be? Well, that's pretty cool. Um, I'd probably go learn like Spanish or like, I don't know, something hard, maybe Russian or like, mm. you know. Um, I love it. I love to learn Arabic. Mm-hmm. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, same. Uh, what do you think happens when you die? Well, I'm not 100% sure, but I think like life is energy, right? And like in science, and Newton's first law, energy can never be destroyed. It can only be transferred. Transfer, yeah. So when you die, whether you get cremated, you become the carbon that the fire releases that a tree absorbs. Um, if you get buried you fertilize mushrooms come out of you worms eat you mm-hmm. you know you just decompose back into it's a life cycle you this that energy of you has to be a part it gets released somewhere but mm-hmm. it's in use in other ways you'll mm-hmm. always be here mm-hmm. on this earth yeah you but not you as, as in this, this form yeah. yes but uh, the the things that make you you mm-hmm. will always be fucking in the wind dog i like know? that because that means that we've been here and You've that means here. you know yeah. it's past oh, yeah, lives yeah. and that that yeah you really got, creates interesting you got things. the dust of probably a king but also Hopefully. the world's biggest rapist <laughs> no you know nah, what I mean? I mean, no one ever I don't even, but you know what i'm saying i don't i like the king yeah. part i'm like rapist. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I have to take it down you know what i mean but I, a little bit of everything not yeah. to say he's fine uh, no, but you had a joke about arranged marriage and I always, I find like super, like a lot of marriage, like if I had a daughter and say like my boy had a son mm-hmm. and I, we grew up like, you know what I'm saying? I trust this guy. I see how he raised his son. I don't necessarily trust my daughter's judgment. Maybe, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm going to try to line it up to where it's like, okay, you guys are compatible. Perhaps like I would feel comfortable with you. What if that dude was like mad ugly and you could just there's so ugly about him but he's your boy he's a good guy yeah my boy's son yeah but yo he's just a fucked up eye or something and you're like i don't want i don't want my grandkids, grandkids to, have, to that. have that uh but you already made the commitment yeah no i don't care you don't care no i, I no. think i think you'd care then and i think you'd eat people when you have to you know what i'm saying you're not thinking this shit straight dog well it depends like okay so say he's ugly <laughs> say say the son is ugly the son that i want to marry my daughter off to is yeah, ugly yeah. right okay well, what is my daughter ugly around? oh no your daughter your daughter is beautiful okay and not just because you're her father yeah She's yeah she has beautiful. good yeah maybe her mother yeah okay yeah, yeah. um I would try to get the highest bid. <laughs> <laughs> See? Like, Absolutely, bro. You know? Okay, what if it's your people, son and it was just a, 
He's an ugly uh, son or a good no, looking? No, a good, good yeah. looking kid. Yeah. But and the, the daughter, daughter is just fucking. But I'm close staggered. to. But I'm close to like hit the her. You're close to the family. Then I'm still down. Yeah. Yeah. You're like son, take one for the team. Suck it up. Yeah. Suck it up, kid. Yeah. Like, like that. Okay. Because there are ways around it. Maybe like not. What? I, don't I don't know. Like if you're getting, getting a laundry, I don't think you're doing like plastic surgery and shit. True. If 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 she was that ugly and I had money and I really want to make sure they married. I would give him the money to pay for her surgeries. I don't want it to seem like I'm just paying for her surgeries. No, we're shallow people. You wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it. You'd be like, you know what? I'll I'll make new friends. Yeah. It's like, son, like you're gonna have to. I'm not fucking her, so I don't care. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I do see a lot of merit in arranged marriages. But you said that. um, I remember you made a joke about it, and you're like. Arranged marriage is sick. Like, my mom got arranged and she was happy. He's like, I lied. She's super miserable. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, my parents are divorced. Okay, um, fair. There was an arranged marriage. I mean, I don't know. I don't... I guess there's a time and place for it. Like, Maybe imagine... If they're both willing, consenting parties... Yes. Then absolutely, go for it. Yeah. I think it might be better. Yeah. But if you gotta... If it's against their wills, then it's no, a forced bad. arranged no, marriage. No, that's not good. That's you know? not good. But that happens all over the world. Yeah, it does. And they have no say. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. probably great people in this world who are doing great things whose parents were fucking arranged marriage. But it almost leads to the question, like, what what is needed to have a successful family and marriage life? Is it love or is it some kind of compatibility, harmonious compatibility? You know what I'm saying? Because we see love marriages also don't work 50% of the time. I you know what I'm saying? It needs to be a commitment to the kid. Hmm. That's what, like, you know? Yeah. Because, like, once you start worrying about yourself too much and it's like you're fucking up the kids. Hmm. Once you have a kid, man, it's not about you anymore. Hmm. Not for a little while anyway, mm-hmm. you know? Until you can give the kid a foundation, then you can go back to having your life. And if you didn't want it that way, you shouldn't have fucking had the kid. And I know yeah. that's a hard thing to hear sometimes. No. And it's, like, rough. And it's like, what do you want me to do? Well, you, it's fucking 2023 and you fucking have options. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I just there's so many people in this world having kids that I think should not be should not be having kids, bro. And then the people who you think should be having kids are fucking. A lot of them are like, fuck, I don't even, I don't know if I want to bring kids into this world. Mm. You know, some people have kids by accident and they end up being great fucking parents. You know, you you never yeah. know what it's gonna be. But if you're gonna have a kid, fuck, at least fucking try. Not hundred percent. I think any kid is technically a miracle like the odds of having a kid let alone successful pregnancy it's life. let alone it's yeah. fucking it's literally like but it's there are billions of sperms competing for that you absolutely. know what i'm saying so it's like this is a healthy kid that you brought whether it's an accident or not like shit you gotta deal with that but you know it's crazy when you watch a fucking flower come out like a out of a seed you know mm-hmm. what i mean and you watch the you when you do it in school as a kid and you're like holy fuck Mm-hmm. That's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, but that's happening with humans on mm-hmm. a fucking yeah. real. It's fucking. I don't know. There's just a lot of shit. But then I don't know. There's fucking Epstein's list, bro. They're fucking taking them as well, bro. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what's real. It's fucking. I don't know. Fucking. No. We, we don't know. to each other, bro. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but yo, we're gonna wrap up. We're about an hour in. Um, where can people find your shit, man? Uh. But Instagram is where I'm probably the most active. Watch my special on YouTube. Uh, it's called Person. Uh, I got a couple albums. You can listen to them on Spotify, YouTube, wherever. Mm. Um, but Instagram is probably the place. The Corner Comedy Club mm. is my home. And the Backroom Comedy Club, that's my second favorite place. I'm there all the time. Mm. The Corner is sick. I like it. It's so nice and intimate. Yeah, the Corner's a vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's where you filmed your special. Right? That's where I filmed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. sick. But yo, respect for coming through, bro. Thank you for having me, Doc. It was honestly so good because honestly, I do be interviewing a lot of like artists and stuff. But I feel like interviewing a comedian is like you're also making my job easier because you know how to talk and shit. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Fucking talking too much. Nah, nah, it was good, bro. So good. It was good. Thank but you. Uh, make sure you comment, like, subscribe, do all that good stuff. Till next time, I yeah. guess. Comment, I know, like, subscribe. subscribe, bro. Yes. Exactly. Thank you for supporting. Yes, Local yes. arts. Don't know, don't know. Subscribe for the sound.